The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? Ready. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. And welcome to the Week 8 edition of the Action Network podcast. I'm your host, Chris Raybon, and this is your Week 8 preview. I'm joined, as always, by my Action Network colleague in the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, Stucky. How are you doing how was your week number seven? Profitable week. Got to avoid um, after DK Metcalf prevented a touchdown against me. I uh, almost had my heart sink when he broke a touchdown, although that would have been good for you, I think, that for your pick. So that was a nice cap off of the weekend. And then I also had the Rams in the under. Oh, except think- the Browns missed extra point. That uh, cost me a sweep yeah. of sides. It's typical Browns fashion. Yeah, I, had, I was on the Browns as well. So that that was not fun for me either. But overall, I had a pretty good week, both on uh, bets and props. And I think I finally hit the total on this show, which is nice. And I got the uh, the number one accuracy finish in, uh, in fantasy this week. So I'm, I'm feeling good. Wow, bravo. Let's get into the podcast. We'll preview Thursday night. We'll give you our six top sides of the week in the Sunday six-pack give you our favorite teaser, our favorite total, money line underdog, all that good stuff. And before we kick things off, two very quick reminders. Number one, if you plan on betting the NFL this season and haven't downloaded the free award-winning Action Network app, what are you doing? It's got betting tools, analysis from myself, Stucky, the whole Action Network team, and it lets you track every bet that you make. And number two, if you want a chance at a free Vegas vacation, don't forget to enter the Action Pods Tournament of Champions presented by BetMGM. This is the eighth week of the free Yahoo DFS tournament. Top five each week get a chance to play for a free Vegas vacation valued at over $5,000 courtesy of BetMGM. 40 spots in the Wild Card Weekend Grand Finale are still up for grabs and there's nothing to lose. Just imagine yourself on that free Vegas vacation. You're gambling, drinking, running to Raiders owner Mark Davis at the El Cortez Penny Swats. You start chatting, and next thing you know, boom, you're in his limo on the way to Supercuts because he's buying you his favorite $9 haircut. Anything is possible. So sign up now using the link in this episode description. All right, Stuck, let's get into the Thursday night football game. It's not the best game, but it's the only game tonight. Let's bet Thursday night football. So for week eight, we have the Atlanta Falcons in a rematch of the Dan Quinn firing game against these Carolina Panthers, who I must say, been pleasantly surprised with how they're holding up they're 
nothing special, but they're playing pretty solid on pass defense. And uh, they're pretty competitive most weeks. Teddy Bridgewater doing well. So we have the Falcons uh, as we record this on Wednesday night as two-and-a-half-point underdogs. Uh, a little bit of juice in their favor. So the Panthers minus two-and-a-half juiced up to minus 115 at BetMGM, the official odds provider of the podcast. The total is 50 and a half with the over slightly juiced to minus 115. Stuck thoughts on this game. The Panthers have been a lot better than I thought early on in this season. I've significantly bumped them. The Falcons have remained pretty much unchanged to me from a power ratings perspective. Like their defense has come down a little bit, but they kind of are who I thought they were. And then they look, they could easily be like three and four. Four and three. I mean, they just, I mean, they lost the game to the Cowboys by one. They lost last week because they couldn't prevent themselves from falling into the end zone. So it's not a great team. They, stuck, they, they stuck, lost stuck, to, stuck. They're losers. Yes. But <laughs> I haven't adjusted them that much here. Um, you know, they lost to the Bears by four and they blew that big lead. So it's not like they've been getting blown out. And I had to be like, all right, this team is way worse than I thought. They've just been finding ways to lose. Their defense is terrible, their offense is pretty good. Uh, they lost this game a couple weeks ago. They were laying two, two and a half at home. Julio Jones didn't play, which is worth noting. Uh, Atlanta still tore up Carolina's rushed defense, which is still awful. I mean, they they get no push inside. You know, I mean, they they lost K1 short for the year. I think he was kind of washed, but it was still a big body inside. On the outside, it's basically just – on the edge, I should say. It's basically just Brian Burns getting pressure, but it's not a – defense that's going to get a lot of pressure they are 29th in adjusted sack rate the Panthers are the most zone heavy team in the NFL on defense so they're running a ton of zone and their pass defense has been really good now can it last you know, the linebackers stink they replaced Luke Keekley with you know one of the worst linebackers in the league and their run defense has suffered because of their the run defense was historically bad last year but their their secondaries which kept them in Anyway, on their offense, their offense has been top 10 in efficiency even since McCaffrey went down. I don't think he's going to play. But let's look at the pass defense for the Panthers. Dante Jackson, who is their top corner-ish coming into the year, he left a week five matchup and that Julio Jones didn't play in. But the main guy for the Panthers this year has been Rasul Douglas. And Rasul Douglas has been a shadow guy most of the year. And he's played really well. Can he keep it up? I don't know. Can Corn Elder, another guy that I don't necessarily think is that great, can he keep it up? They're both playing really well. I'm not sure. Rasul Douglas is still on the COVID list. They cut, so I don't know if he's eligible to – he is eligible to come off. It'll depend if he's showing symptoms, like he can come off tomorrow. But if he can't play, that means Troy Pride is going, and that's not great for Carolina. Because instead of you know having your shadow guy who's played really well – you have Pride, who's ranks 123rd out of 126 qualifying quarter, quarterbacks per PFF. He just hasn't been that great. So I look at Atlanta, I look at Carolina, and I say, all right, if Douglas isn't going to play, or even if Douglas isn't going to play, with Julio Jones back, I think that the Falcons should be able to move the ball through the air. I think you're going to see some regression in this Panthers secondary, especially if Douglas is out. Falcons will be able to run it. Anyone can run it on the Panthers. The Falcons did so in the last matchup. On the other side of the ball, the Falcons' defense just stinks. There's no reason why Carolina can't move the ball here. I also like that Samuel is going to get all of the slot snaps now. So I actually like the over here. Their weather was a concern early in the week. Doesn't look like it'll be here. Light rain. Only wind is like 10 miles an hour. Once you get up to like 
12, 15 and above, especially in the 20s, that's when it really makes a difference. Panthers are a snail, which is a little concerning, but the Falcons go fast. I think make, that makes up for it. Russell Okun likely out for Carolina. John Miller will get the start in his place. Not that big of a deal against the Falcons. It's not like they have elite pass rushers, as I said. So, yeah, I think the Falcons, that with Julio Jones now back, shouldn't have issues moving the ball. They're going to play fast, and everyone can move the ball on the Panthers. So, I actually like, despite that 23-16 to 16 score in the first matchup, I actually like the over anything under 51. And from a side perspective, the line is about right to me. I'm still lower on the Panthers than most people. I make the Panthers a short favorite here. Not enough to play the Falcons, but it's two and a half point spread. You know what I'm doing? I'm teasing the Falcons. So I tease the Falcons up over eight to eight and a half. I threw them in a teaser, which we'll get to later in our teaser segment, but I did throw them in a teaser with the 49ers, uh, getting them to over one possession against the Seahawks, my favorite tease piece. So yeah, I like the over and uh, teasing the Falcons. Carolina is a fascinating team. I think the coaching has made a, a positive difference. You know, we didn't really know what Matt Rule was. And I think probably the exceeding of expectations that you're seeing, at least from your vantage point, as somebody that was lower on them, uh, is probably just coming from them being, you know, decently coached and being able to kind of play within themselves each week. Again, I, I think they've been competitive, you know, week in, week out. Uh, bet against them a couple of times, bet on them against a couple of times. I think I've been fairly successful, did get burned by, I think it was that actual same over, that Falcons-Panthers over, which went way under. And uh, that's something I'm maybe a little concerned about as well is just when you have a team that plays so much zone, maybe, you know, it's kind of like you have efficient drives, but they're not really taking as many shots down the field. So uh, maybe that's kind of a reason why some of these games that we think are going to be kind of over smashes are, are not. But yeah, I, I wouldn't touch the Falcons. I thought you were going to make a case for the Falcons when, when you started talking, honestly. But, uh, yeah, I, this game's kind of a stay away for me just because it's the second divisional game, so there'll be adjustments, and that, that makes the total kind of shaky. And I'm not betting the Falcons, but there's no value on the Panthers here. So, uh, yeah, I think the Panthers are a team most weeks that uh, there will be some value on them. You know, a lot of people I knew uh, were on them against the – uh, Saints, I actually wasn't, but uh, they ended up staying, keeping it close there. So this is a stay away from me. Maybe I'll bet some props. I, I just still think that this Carolina defense is a bottom five unit. They've been playing not like a bottom five unit. They've been playing like an average unit when you m- match together. I mean, their run defense has been atrocious, but mm-hmm. pass defense is really what matters in the NFL. I just think that, you know, with all of their zone looks, you're going to have teams, especially the second time around, like the Falcons just saw them can make some adjustments on offense. Obviously, I have Julio Jones this time as well. I just think a lot of their corners are overperforming, and you'll see some regression over a small sample size. Is, you know, we've only been like six or seven weeks, so I, I think that we'll see a dip there. And, yeah, I'm rolling with the over and uh, the tease of the Falcons. So you mentioned the zones, and I think that, number one, may be a reason why like corners don't get exposed. But I'm looking at the numbers now, and, yeah, Carolina, you don't expect them to play well on defense, but – what I do notice, and this is something that I've been paying attention to in regard to totals, is that their average depth of target allowed on defense is 6.6, which is tied for uh, fewest in the league. And I've noticed that a lot of games with when you have defenses that are allowing like lower depth of targets, that uh, helps them go under because even if the defense is bad, uh, they're kind of giving up these short 
chunks or like short, uh, you know, like dink and dunks and, and, and there's longer drives and the offense can make a mistake. Um, is that something that you've like noticed or paid any attention to or factor in at all? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, a lot of it comes down to how well the secondary is playing your zones and, you know, you're not having complete blown coverages. I mean, you look at a team like the Raiders, they play a lot yeah. of zone, but that doesn't really matter because it's not a great zone with great corners and safeties that are disciplined and stay in their zones and then can make plays. It's a, a modified thing that like the, basically what the Broncos want to do, keep everything in front of you. And then once you get down to the red zone, right, then the, the field shortens and it becomes harder on paper if you if you're a good defense for the offense to score so yeah I think there's if you do have an effective zone defense that you can maintain in the NFL before the market adjusts uh, there's certainly some correlation there so there you have it Thursday night football Panthers Falcons rematch Dan Quinn can't get fired this time because he's already gone and speaking of Thursday night football, BetMGM has a great sign-up offer for tonight's game. Customers can bet $1 and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a touchdown tonight. Just sign up and make your first bet using bonus code ACTION100. Download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTION100 to bet $1 and win 100 in free bets if either the Panthers or the Falcons scores a touchdown on Thursday night football. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo code not available in Nevada. All right, Stuck. We're going to save the coach's pep talk because uh, I know a really good spot that you're going to want to use it. So uh, let's get right into our Sunday six pack, which is where we draft our top three sides of the week. Thirsty for action. Let's crack open the Sunday six pack. All right. So for those not familiar, Stuck and I uh, take turns. We have a little draft of our top bets of the week. Each pick is worth one, except our first one, which is worth double. Uh, and then our total is worth one as well. Sweeping the board is a bonus point as well. So 21-16, Stucky, you've built a lead. My Seahawks let me down last week after a promising start, uh, as as they tend to do and always playing close games. You warned me. Going this feels like last year, though. Right. I'm just telling you. I'm going to be up all year, and my lead is like this, and then I'm going to get scared. I, I want to get a cushion. It's, I am hitting my stride. I told you I got the number one uh, fantasy accuracy. I got my 30-day record has finally reversed from like a bad two-week stretch early in the year when I was betting on the Vikings. So, uh, yeah, I'm feeling good. This week, I am going with the Las Vegas Raiders for my first pick of the Week 8 Sunday Six Pack. The Raiders are three-point underdogs at the Cleveland Browns, and I like this spot a lot for the Raiders. You look at Cleveland, and what they do well is they run the ball, and you think, okay, you know, Raiders coming in, not, not a good run defense. Cleveland can handle this, uh, even without Odo Beckham. And, and the Raiders, they don't, they don't really get a ton of pressure, not like, you know, the teams who are betting against them with, like, Pittsburgh. But I think, first of all, the, the Odo Beckham – 
loss is massive, regardless of how run heavy Cleveland is. Because remember, they're also without Austin Hooper, who was um, a major part. So now they're playing, you know, Harrison Bryant, who had a good game. Uh, they still have the Joku, but this passing game is getting thinner and thinner. Uh, and you look at Odell Beckham and what he meant to this offense. On Odell plays, they scored a touchdown on 8.5% of their plays, whether it was a target pass, uh, carry by Odell, uh, and they averaged 8.7 yards per play. That drops all the way down to 5.5 with just a four four and a half touchdown rate uh, on all non-Beckham plays. And I think this Raider offense can come in here and score at will against Cleveland because I think most teams are actually going to be able to score at will against Cleveland. Uh, number one, this defense is, you know, they have some pieces, but not really a, a, a strong defense overall. I've uh, been giving up a ton of points. I was highly critical of Derek Carr for much of his career, but uh, he, I've, I've been noticing he's really starting to turn a corner here. Uh, really since Gruden came to uh, Oakland and now Vegas, you know, his yards per attempt and his efficiency started going up. Didn't really have many receivers to speak of. Uh, but now you got Henry Ruggs, Wallers, uh, you know, in the mix and, and, and a key target. Of course, Josh Jacobs is there in the backfield. But Derek Carr right now, 80.6 QBR, 8.26 adjusted net yards per attempt. And remember, that's extremely predictive of point differential is that adjusted net yards per attempt because it, it subtracts sack yards, counts for uh, touchdown and interception of uh, variance to some degree. So this Raider offense been playing well, you know, was concerned about them last week with Tampa Bay coming in and, you know, the COVID and the O line and just a tough matchup against a good D. I think this is the complete opposite. I think the Raiders, um, you know, coming off a loss, which is generally when you want to bet them, you know, coming, you know, when they're, when they're kind of high rolling is not when you want to bet on the Raiders. That, that's actually a spot you want to fade them. Gruden is like, I think 37% off a win and, and like the opposite off a loss. So um, this is the spot where I like the Raiders. I expect them to, I fully expect them to win this game. What we saw at a Baker last week was uh, a mirage. One that I, I, I fairly expected given the Bengals get no pressure, but uh, a mirage and, and Derek Carr is grossly outplaying Baker Mayfield. Never thought I'd hear myself uh, saying that a couple of years ago when Baker started off hot. Yeah. I don't know if I necessarily agree. I don't, I don't love the Browns. I'd actually teased another teaser for the teaser segment. I actually teased the Raiders up from two and a half to eight and a half. But the one thing that would concern me, there's a couple of things to note. All right, we, should, we, we shouldn't have taken this long to mention this. There are extreme wins in a number of games this weekend, which is why you're seeing a lot of totals come down. I was reading an article somewhere out there. I won't name the site. And it was, just, it was talking about a bunch of games, and it was just like, oh, well, like the totals are coming. This total is coming down, too. This total is coming down. It's like, yeah, I didn't even mention any win. Historically, win, double-digit win games are 55% against the closing number on the under. That's against the close. They usually come down. Obviously, it's going to impact the passing game, the balls on the ground more, the clock's running, impacts field goals, blah, blah, blah. I mean, we have some extreme win this weekend. We have 25-mile-an-hour wins in, projected in Green Bay, 25-mile-an-hour projected wins in Buffalo, uh, 20 to 25-mile-an-hour wins projected in Chicago, and 26-mile-per-hour uh, projected wins here in Cleveland, which is why you're seeing that under come down. I still think that both teams should be able to move the ball. Like Both teams can run it. Both teams – can move the ball with short passing set up by the run. 
Um, maybe it'll impact a deep shot or two. But the one thing that concerns me with the Raiders here is we've basically we've said we figured out the Browns. Like the Browns will go as Baker Mayfield goes, and Baker Mayfield goes as the opposing pressure goes. And the two games, the two teams he's played this year, where other team could get pressure, the Ravens and Steelers, been two of the worst quarterback performances of any quarterback this season. The other games, playing teams that don't get pressure, he was fine. And the Raiders don't get pressure. You know, the Raiders get generate pressure on less than 25% of their pass rushing snaps. That's 27th in the league. So it's not a defense that's great off the edge. Um, it's not a defense that loves the blitz a lot. So I think the Browns will be able to move the ball. But it's the same with the Raiders. I think it's a back-and-forth game. So I don't hate your side, but I'd prefer the tease and uh, keep your eye on the total because the wind is looking nasty. All right, for my first pick in the Sunday six-pack and the second overall, at BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast, I'm going with the Ravens minus four against the Pittsburgh Steelers. This got to minus three, minus 125 earlier in the week, and I was like, yes, uh, and I had to take it. Well, now it's up to four. I still do like it. I make this line a tad under six. Steelers do have some injury concerns. We'll see if Johnson goes. Roethlisberger, for whatever reason, didn't practice today. I'm assuming he's fine. Let's take a trip back in time to last year when the 8-0 Patriots were going to Baltimore and the Ravens were coming off of a bye. Um, and everyone was in love with the Patriots and everyone was kind of saying, eh, the Ravens. And the Ravens came out off of a bye and just absolutely steamrolled the Patriots. I think we have a similar situation here where the Steelers, they look, they looked okay against the, the Titans to start and then Ben threw three picks and it was eh. – They were who I thought they were. They were who I thought um, they were. I'm glad look, you're pointing this out. I'm glad because, like, they're just so over. Yeah, they've played nobody all year. Yeah, their best win besides last week is – That wasn't even a good win. They, they, I know, but that they, is they their best a, win. A minus this three turnover differential. Yeah, no, I, and this is some, coming from somebody that has a, a, a Super Bowl future on the Steelers. They're so overrated. This is a great call. I know it's a good Robert Atomlin spot. I will throw that out there on the road against a, a team that's over 500. But Harbaugh is the best coach, second most profitable coach in NFL history off of a bye. He's 9-3 against the spread. He should be 11-1 and one straight up. The Ravens lost a game to the Jags back in 2013. The league had to issue a formal apology for they called a penalty after the clock was out, and then, they, then the Jags kicked the field goal. So he really should be 11-1 um, and one straight up. But he's covering by, like, an insane amount of points per game. But here's – look, it, the Ravens also added Ngakwe. He's a known stealer killer. That's going to help them a lot. They just need more edge rushers, and then with their blitz and stunts, and they can bother – Roethlisberger, who the, the Steelers' offense, the Steelers' offense is not playing well. The offensive line, and I've been saying it all year, is not as good. Roethlisberger might be shot. I don't know. His arm looks shot. He, he's last week he he attempted two passes longer than twenty yards. They both were picked. He has a thirty-four point six percent adjusted completion percentage um, on deep balls. That ranks twenty-seventh, just ahead of Locke and Flacco. So. Look, I mean, I think that it's basically like this dink and dunk kind of passing attack, and I think the Ravens have the corners to take that away. They're going to dial the blitz. It can be effective against the Steelers. And where I think that the Ravens could have a ton of success on the offensive side of the ball, and look, the passing offense hasn't been great. Lamar's missed some deep balls. There's been some drops. But I also think the offensive numbers are a bit 
skewed dour because Lamar was dealing with an injury for a couple weeks. Like he didn't against the Bengals. He basically didn't run, you know, and then he didn't run the week before he finally looked healthy against the Eagles, but then you have a bye. So I think that bye is going to serve him. Well, you can get some of the timing down on offense and where I think that they can really exploit the Steelers on Sunday is Lamar running the ball, which then opens up the passing game. So his running for a couple games being down doesn't open up the passing over the middle. But this is where the Steelers are really going to miss Bush. Because now who you have in there is Robert Spillane. And I know he made that tackle on Derrick Henry. But now you got Vince Williams and Robert Spillane in the middle as your linebackers. And, yes, the Steelers can get elite pressure. But you're going to see not only design draws for Jackson up the middle to exploit those linebackers, you're going to see him just take the ball when he's getting pressure off the edge. He's, he's going to juke the shit out of Robert Spillane and Vince Williams all day. Um, I hope they get Dobbins more involved for his speed too. But I think that this is where the Steelers are really going to miss Bush this game. Um, I think the Steelers have been completely overvalued by everyone for this start, and they, they're undefeated. And I wasn't even that high on the, the, the as, as everyone on the Titans. So, and look, the win was pretty lucky and they get a field goal miss at the end. Look, the Steelers I have is the third best team in the AFC. So, I mean, they're a good team. They're a playoff team. But they're still, in my opinion, four points worse than the Ravens on a neutral field. Um, so take the Ravens getting a bye off of a bye. Take the Ravens now at home, and you're going to get somewhere in the ballpark of five, eight, six, which is where I have it at. So anything a four or under, I'll take. These games tend to get decided by three or four points. So – if you can find a three, if you want to throw it in money line with someone you like, I wouldn't hate that. Um, I was just dying for a three, and I got it at minus 125. Would, I would buy up to – I would pay up to minus 130 for the three in this spot. So, yeah, I like the Ravens. And uh, look out for an Ngakwe. I'm gonna, this is my call of the week. Ngakwe forced turnover. He's been a stealer killer in the past. Completely agree. This team has been raising red flags for me for, for weeks now. You look at their offense, it's uh, 23rd in – early down rush success rate and 30th in early down pass success rate. Big Ben looks like he, this is the first time he ever picked up a football in half of his throws. He's got that like weird quirky Phillip Rivers like motion, except yeah, like yeah. Rivers is still efficient, you know, like, yeah. like he throw some picks, but I mean, the Steelers just won a game last week where they had a, a minus, they turned it over three times in the second half. They get a missed field goal. Uh, you know, they, they, they don't really look like anything special against uh, an offense that can move the ball. You know, Titans started slow, came out flat. Okay. But it, and that tight Titan secondary is awful. Still don't right. have a Dory Jackson. This is the Raven secondary. Like, right. It, it, uh, Deontay Johnson gets hurt every game. He's on the injury report again, but he's also been their most efe- effective receiver. And Juju Smith-Schuster it's uh, you know, defense paying more attention to him and, and big Ben's just not, quite the same big Ben. he's disguising it well they're undefeated but this is like probably the most overrated undefeated team i remember in some time and, and that's just somebody that was extremely high in them uh took had to have a super bowl future on them and I, I believe i think it was the only over i took in our win total draft so like i'm not a person that's looking for reasons to hate the steelers but this is a team to beware of. There is regression coming, uh, and they are probably going to be uh, profitable to bet against in the coming weeks. So, love the call. The similarities to last year when the Ravens were coming off a bye against undefeated Patriots are eerie. Yeah, like I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Ravens shut them out. I mean, that's how the Steelers' offense is playing, in my opinion.
Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. For the third pick and my second overall pick in the week eight Sunday six pack going with the New Orleans Saints minus four at Chicago. And listen, this is not usually a spot I would take the Saints in. Not a, a spot I generally am looking for. You know, nothing special going on here. They're not coming off a loss uh, or anything like that. Uh, I know you pointed out the trend about teams coming off uh, Monday night uh, covering and, and Arizona did that, but this is just simple. Chicago can't score the football. Uh, New Orleans will probably come out a little flat, a little sloppy on the road as, as they do. Uh, and maybe even Chicago gets to score like they did against the Rams. And I just don't think it'll be enough. Uh, I think the saints offense without Thomas and all the receivers are banged up, who knows, but they just keep getting it done week after week. It doesn't matter who Drew Brees is throwing to, especially when he's got Camara. Uh, they're getting healthier on defense and a big thing. And this is the reason I actually bet this at first, uh, I got this at uh, two and a half, I believe it was what, like right after the, the, the game, because you saw Allen Robinson get banged up and, and get shaken up. And I thought, Hey, he may enter the protocol on a short week. Well, he's in the concussion protocol on a short week, no guarantee to get cleared. And if he doesn't get cleared, uh, anyone who read my breakdown of Rams bears Monday night football, you know, Talked about just going ham on the unders because Chicago's offense is all Allen Robinson. I mean, you take Allen Robinson off that offense and they're gaining nothing with passing or rushing, essentially. Like this is he's the one guy that they can reliably get like seven, seven and a half yards per play with. Uh, even the receivers, they're, they're all, you know, in like the six and the five and the sixes and the fives. And the running back is is a three point nine or something. I think below that is Montgomery. Like, this is a bad offense that uh, is going to struggle to score the, the football against any team at this point. If Allen Robinson is out, even if he's missing practice all week, just a bad situation uh, for the Bears. So uh, this is not like, oh, it's a Saints smash spot. I do think you might have to sweat this one. It will be a little sloppy, but uh, I like the Saints coming up, going up against this Bears team that it's all on one side of the ball for them. It's just all on one side of the ball. And uh, that's, that's not going to be enough against the saints who have remained pretty efficient. And we're actually decently efficient um, against that Panthers team to put up, what was it? 31 uh, in that game. So uh, give me the saints minus four on the road in Chicago. Yeah. I mean, without, I will say with the saints, without Rasul Douglas for the Panthers, the Panthers basically just sat in a zone the entire game and did nothing else. Well, so kind of not, you don't, you don't want to do that against Drew Brees. But, yeah, I look at this game, it's – the Bears' offense is really bad in so many different ways. I mean, their offensive line is really bad. Nick Foles is really bad. He's just, like, a little smarter and more situationally aware than Mitch Trubisky. But, like, talent-wise, it's basically just have the same quarterback, talent-wise. They can't run the ball. Mm-hmm. And, you know, their best – they're only like really scary receiver. You know, Mooney maybe can get behind the defense once or twice, but they're only legitimate receivers probably going to be out this week. Allen Robinson. But then I look on the other side of the ball 
I, at the Saints with Callaway, who played well last week because Sanders is out for COVID. He might come back Sunday, but I, I mean, the first day he's eligible to return is Sunday if he's asymptomatic, but then he wouldn't have practiced. I don't know what's going on with Michael Thomas. I think there's something else going on. Like, you hear these rumors like he's going to get traded, and then there's a different injury every week. I don't, and he didn't practice again today. I, I, it's like Deontay Harris and, and, and Smith are the only two other receivers on their roster. Like, Kamara and Cook, their tight ends, are, are you know, that's how they're going to have to move the ball. These are also two top ten rush defenses. The Bears' rush explosiveness defense has been awful. They're dead last in rush explosiveness allowed. That's mainly because their linebackers have missed a lot of tackles. I, that rush explosiveness is usually random in small sample sizes. Defense is fine on the Bears' side. These are two top ten run defenses. These are top two top ten overall defenses. There's going to be 25 mile an hour wins. I trust the Saints all. I trust Breeze more. But to me, and I would have laid three, but now four. I can't. But to me, just I, just give me the under. I, I don't know who. I don't know how, who's scoring. Who's scoring 24 points in this game? I don't know. The Saints defense. Um, yeah, maybe the Saints defense. <laughs> but, like, the, the Bears' play calling is so bad, too. So, They're yeah, I think it's Saints or nothing. There's just not enough value for me at four. I would have loved to have two and a half with you um, yeah. or three. Got to follow but me in the four, action hour gap, Stucky. I saw it, too, come through, and I should have taken it. If it gets to six, I would take the Bears, and with this should be a really low-scoring game. If it gets back to three, I will take the Saints. If not, it's just an underplay for me. Yeah, I, I like the under, but I kind of missed out on that boat. Like it's down to it's like forty three now, and uh, it's it's kind of my limit. So, but uh, yeah, the, the Bears just it's just simple. I, I don't expect them to score points or move the football. So uh, the Saints could win this game. You know, thirteen to six for all I care. Yeah, and just to throw in something else for the under in situation neutral scenarios, the Saints they're snail. They're thirtieth in the NFL in pace, and the Bears are twenty eighth. So, and you're going to have all the receivers out. That You're not going to have either one of these teams going really fast. All right. For the fourth pick in the Sunday six-pack and my second pick overall, look, I like some wind unders this week. I love the Ravens. I like some teasers. I like the Thursday night over. And then it was slim pickings. But I did, for my second pick, I did end up playing the Vikings plus seven, minus 115 at BetMGM. Uh, I make this a touch over five. I wouldn't play it at six and a half. So make sure you get seven. Again, at seven or three, I would. you can pay to buy onto the seven. Or, you know, with seven, I'd pay up to minus 123, minus 125 in general. Can you, yeah, keep explaining that for the people like a little more because I, I think we get a lot of questions. Uh, I know I do, and I know we do on the pod for the pod just about like what exactly, uh, how do you decide on those thresholds and which numbers uh, that you want to pay up for and how much? I'll go into it in depth if you just click, if you just search on Google Action Network or Stucky Tips for Beginners, NFL Betters, just that it'll come up. Uh, and I'll talk about like the, the, the the key numbers, but you basically never want to buy points, even a half point in the NFL, never on totals, it, you know, maybe a half point up to minus 115 onto a key number, but in general, avoid it on totals. And then on sides, you never want to buy any points onto a non-key number, like buying some, buying an underdog from four and a half to five makes zero sense because the amount of games that actually hit on five are not worth it compared to what you have to pay to get onto that five. Now with a three, which is the most common outcome and a seven, which is next, it does make sense to actually buy on to a three or a seven or buy off. So if you have a favorite that's minus three, 
and you can get it cheaper at minus two and a half. It does make sense. For seven, it's like up to minus 120. For a three, it's minus 125. Not an exact science. Those are good general rules of thumb. Also, keep in mind that, you know, and just like with teasers, if the total is lower, buying onto those key numbers is even more valuable. So if the total, you know, is 41, buying on or off of a three or even a seven is much more valuable than doing it when the total is 58, when points are just going to be, you know, coming at will. So uh, keep that in mind as well. But just search Stucky Action Network Beginners. I'll tweet it out too. And there's like 10, 10 tips, and one of them is about buying points and, and the most frequent distribution, frequency distribution of point, total points and point margins in the NFL. But for my second pick, I'm going with the Minnesota Vikings. It's scary. They got destroyed on defense in week one against the Packers. Look, I mean, they got, and they, they traded Ngakwe, but they didn't have Ngakwe then. Um, Daniel Hunter, they put on IR. He's done for the year. They didn't have him then either. You can't expect much pressure here. Bakhtiari should be back. And Rodgers is going to have a clean pocket, most likely. We'll see if Zimmer can cook up some blitzes. That's um, the only way they're ever going to get to Rodgers, because under a clean pocket, he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL this year. But the Packers are just – I still – they're still – Every single week, this team has gotten so fortunate. I can't even begin to explain it. They Every week, everyone's corners get hurt. Last week, Roby, the shadow corner for the Texans, gets hurt on the second play of the game. And I, I was our colleague, who I love and is a brilliant person, Matt Freeman, is tweeting out, uh, Reggie Roby is a shadow corner, ha, ha, ha. I'm like, so I respond to him. I'm like, well, this is the worst day to tweet that. Bradley, Bradley, probably. Roby. Reggie Roby's the punter, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Reggie Roby, man. Where did my brain pull that from? Oh, wow. That's a throwback (laughs) game. My brain farted there. But anyway, Bradley Roby. So he goes out in the second snap. Now, look, if Bradley Roby was on the Ravens, he might not even start. He's not a great cornerback. I've been over this on the podcast. He's just like your average, you know, competent NFL quarterback. And he's played well this year in shadow roles. But his ma- the main benefit of Bradley Roby is keeping Hargreaves and the other trash corners off of number ones. Because what Devontae Adams did to Philip Gaines and company and Hargreaves last week is disgusting. I mean, absolutely disgusting. So they benefit from that again. And, you know, their best – Texans' best corner goes out. But, I mean, it's happened all year. But mainly, you know, what I'm, how I'm looking at this game, I don't think Aaron Jones is going to play. And I, you know, Dalvin Cook should be back. Efling, the Vikings guard, should be back. You get Drew Samia and Ezra Cleveland out of there. They've been the, among the worst guards in, in the NFL. And there's 25-mile-an-hour wins. That's only going to help the Vikings here. Justin Jefferson also didn't start in that week one matchup. The onus is all on – look, the Vikings are going to come in here off of a bye, by the way, worth about a half point. The Vikings are going to come in here. They're going to be the ones making all the adjustments. And I think this is just a sleepy spot for Green Bay. Yes, Rodgers could, could cook, but this team's rolling. They know they already beat Minnesota, and they have San Fran on Thursday. And you know Green Bay wants that game. They got destroyed in the regular season and then destroyed in the NFC Championship. So I think that's why they'll probably be cautious with Jones. Um, maybe one or two others, but it looks like Savage and, and Bacteria should be back, but who knows. Uh, I just think after a bye here, the Green Bay defense is still not good. It's not good against the run specifically. So I think that Minnesota will be able to move the ball on the ground in 25-mile-an-hour wins. It's going to be difficult to throw 
which might help out Minnesota's corners, make the deep ball just a little less effective for Rodgers. Um, and in aggregate, the Minnesota defense hasn't been a dumpster fire. If you look at some of the advanced metrics, it's not a good defense, but it's still a well-coached defense. I think that they'll make some adjustments based on what they saw from Green Bay. So I think they keep this within a touchdown. I'd be surprised if they win. Uh, but off of a bye, Green Bay with San Fran on Thursday. Green Bay is just a tad overvalued in the market to me. I'm still not fully bought in. Um, so give me the Vikings at seven or better. Yeah, this Green Bay team is pretty much the same Green Bay team it's been over you know, the last, what, year and a half now? They are going to struggle. Yeah. When they can't when when defenses get pressured, they're going to put up points. Otherwise, but they're still going to kind of look shaky at times doing it because their defense isn't good. So, uh, you know, I don't I don't hate to pick. I I do worry about like a, a bad Cousins game. He's uh, notoriously kind of fallen flat against these Packers. For you know, they kind of just kind of a similar quarterback in many ways uh, is Kirk Cousins. But uh, you're getting a pretty you're getting pretty good value here with the line at seven uh, at BetMGM, the official odds provider of the podcast, because I've seen it uh, down to six, six and a half at some spots. Um, and uh, you, as you mentioned, there, there are not really a, a ton of numbers jumping out uh, after, you know, the first couple of picks that uh, we made. So, yeah. Yeah. I, and I just, I'll just say again, there's the stress, the wind and the, the situational spot Vikings off of a bye, Packers with San Fran on Thursday, cook probably back Jones probably out. Those are all, you know, especially the wind in the situation spot, they're equalizers here. The wind will really hurt Green Bay a lot more. So that's what really put me over the edge here with Minnesota. Yeah, it will protect those those corners for Minnesota because that's uh, yeah. that's essentially what you need to do here. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't hate it at all. And, uh, yeah, you're getting good value. And we'll see how that line moves because I've, I've seen it going down on, on a reverse line move even though – uh, as I look in the app, there's, you know, pretty one-sided action on, on the Packers for the public. So uh, that there may indeed be some sharps on uh, Minnesota. The under is getting hammered as well for that wind uh, that you mentioned, presumably. I do like the under also, but yeah. I, I played under 54. It's going to go quick. Yep. Like it too. All right. For my third and final pick of the week eight Sunday six pack, I am going with the Los Angeles Chargers minus three in Denver. And this is just going back to a bet. I'm betting on pressure. You know, sometimes in a week, there are going to be certain spots that kind of stick stick out because it's a situational spot or maybe the mark is just, you know, outweighing uh, weighting recency bias. But in this spot for Denver, you know, I talked about this in an article a couple of weeks ago, you know, quarterbacks, we tend to learn who they are fairly quickly. And, you know, Drew Locke is a guy, he's kind of right in that, that threshold of, you know, about 300 or so career dropbacks, you know, getting to about 400, which is when you can really start to um, see, see what a quarterback's going to be. And he, the, the, the numbers against pressure are, are not looking good. And this Charger team, they don't have to blitz to get pressure. The Chargers are top eight in pressure rate, and they blitz the second fewest, actually tied for the fewest, uh, the lowest rate in the NFL due to Chargers. So they can get pressure. Uh, they got Melvin Ingram back, which uh, has helped a ton. You still have Bosa. You got Jones back. So the defense is finally kind of coming, rounding into form the way I think you kind of expected them to start out the season. And then you look at Drew Locke and say, okay, well, how is he going to perform 
if this Charger defense keeps playing, you know, with these guys back, keeps playing like this, and it's not good because he's dead last in the NFL in passer rating under pressure, 24.3, according to Pro Football Focus. But did mention that the Chargers, they'll get pressure, but they'll sit back. They won't blitz a lot. They'll, they'll generate pressure naturally. Well, Drew Locke is also bottom five in passer rating from a clean pocket this year. He's been bad in pretty much every situation imaginable. Uh, yes, uh, he's played a, a, a bunch of tough matchups, so I think that does play a part. But you're seeing Drew Locke do things that, you know, when we first saw him come into the league, it was what gave us hope about Drew Locke. It was, okay, he's, he's still kind of a shaky decision maker, but it's not really hurting him. He's not, you know, making tons of negative plays. The sacks, the picks, they're not there. Uh, but now we're starting to see those. And he's still not winning with his arm. You know, he's still a bad thrower. He's still uh, a bad decision maker. And against a charter defense that I don't, I don't know how many people realize that they're starting to get healthy uh, and they always had talent. I think the Chargers are a little bit undervalued in the market. I know Denver's a tough place to play, so it's not like I'm saying this is a smash spot or anything, but the, the struggles of Locke, with still a banged up receiving court with uh with Cortland Sutton out for a year uh, I think Tim Patrick who Locke's been having the most success with uh he's he's questionable to go uh you got Fant back I like Okuwebunam but Locke is simply you know a below average passer going against uh, I think with Ingram back an above average defense and then you go on the other side and you say okay Justin Herbert now we're starting to get some sample size on him uh, it's not it's not a ton, but it's very promising, and it's promising enough for him to simply for the Chargers to simply, uh, I think, outscore the Broncos. Who, by the way, you look at Drew Locke's starts, and this is why I've always been skeptical on him. Last year he went four and one, and everyone's like, ah, oh, yeah, Drew Locke, like anointing him. And I said, you know, you might want to hold up a little bit. It's going to be tough. Uh, obviously, the injury didn't help this year, but. They're only averaging 20 points per game in those four wins in, in, in his five starts last year. So they were winning a lot of games, you know, ugly. And while they could do that against these Chargers, I think Herbert is a complete game changer because uh, we know that quarterback is the most important uh, position to have the advantage on. Uh, this Broncos team with Locke this season, 14-21 uh, in the game he gets hurt. Uh, and, and that's the game he gets hurt. Then 18 and 16. So this year they haven't even scored 20 points in a game that Locke finished yet. Uh, it's it's been a struggle for him and, and them to generate offense. And then in Herbert, he's top 10 in pretty much uh, all the key passing metrics right now. Uh, you know, Keenan Allen's healthy. Mike Williams is healthy. You got the full complement aside from uh, you still got issues on the O line. So that that's something to watch. But that's the thing, Herbert has been, he can run it. He's been making up for that. So uh, give me the team with the better quarterback uh, and the defense getting there, uh, even though we're in a tough spot in, uh, in mile high. Yeah. One thing I'll say, I don't know if it's this week, but there is a week coming where Herbert is going to have a vomit game. Number mm-hmm. one, he's, you know, he's a rookie, but it's going to be against someone who throws maybe a lot of confusing zone looks against him. He struggled immensely against zones in college. You know, he went against, it was against Arizona State, and people were like, he's not going to be drafted now. It was like a primetime game. Everyone saw it. It was when Oregon lost to Arizona State late in the year, and he was playing against their 3-3-5. And it's just going to happen naturally. He's a rookie. So I, I don't know if it's this week, but I mean, it's not like Drew Locke has been great. But and I'm, I'm curious to see what's going to happen here with Denver's defense. And 
they're playing really well despite all the injuries, despite not having Von Miller. You know, you got A.J. Boye back now. You have, you know, without – you still have Chubb, you know, coming on – and Reed coming off the other edge. They're, they're getting some pressure. They're, their interior defensive line parts are playing pretty well. You like Johnson at linebacker, and they have really good safeties. But most importantly, they're not letting anything behind them. So that's one of the things that I'm interested to see. I mean, they're third in pass explosiveness on defense, and that's just a staple of the Fangio defense. And that's really where Herbert has been making his living on these deep balls. You, and, look, the Chargers are playing a completely different than I projected them to play with Tyrod Taylor. They're playing fast. They're third in situational neutral pace. They're throwing it on, third, on first down. They're throwing it deep on first down, and that's when Herbert's having his most success. So credit to Anthony Lynn and company for making those adjustments. But will Herbert have one of those days if Denver just takes everything away from him deep and confuses him up front and gets some pressure against a shaky offensive line? I don't know. I don't trust Drew Locke enough to bet the Broncos here, I don't think so. And I want to bet the under. But I could see a lot of turnovers, and the Chargers are just playing so fast. There's not going to be any wind, so I, uh, you might be on your own on that game. Buy in on these guys now. Buy, like, buy in on these rookies now because you look at Herbert and just watch him play. You can look at the numbers as well. And, and they played a tough schedule too, by the way. You know, it, they, yeah. it's been no easy sweating. But it's, he's got something to him, like to the point where you're like, this, like, this dude could be better than Joe Burrow. Like he could be, even though he's taken after him, he could be better. Like, that's how good he's playing right now. He's hitting, he's hitting touchdowns down the field. You know, he's showing, you know, he's showing everything it takes to be an excellent NFL quarterback. So, and, and this actually makes me not like the Chargers a little bit, uh, but you look at the Chargers and the Bengals, combined 10 and 3 against the spread this year. Buy these guys while well you can, uh, because once the hype really starts ratcheting up, uh, you know they're get, we're going to start getting inflated numbers. Right now, Drew Locke just not playing well. The offense not playing well. There, there's issues in Denver, you know. Coach uh, Shelby Harris arguing with the with the coach, and I think he pops up on the injury report. So, I'm, I'm just buying a little. I'm just buying on the Chargers. Well, well, I still can. Remember, we talked about the Bucks. Like, you know, buy them as that small favorite last week because you never know. They, you know, they might blow them out, and then we don't get them this cheap. So, I uh, kind of taking that that pers- that uh, philosophy with the Chargers as well. Great points there. NFL season is upon us, and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. All right, for my third pick and the sixth pick of the Sunday six-pack, hold your nose special, uh, I'm going with the, how about them, Dallas Cowboys. Oh, no! MGM Don't do it! Eight. Um, <laughs> this is, uh, look, it's slim pickings. I show value in this number. I'm assuming Ben DiNucci's playing, too. 
Oh. Look, I mean, people are like, how much of a drop-off is it from Dalton to Ducci? I don't think it's that much. You couldn't be playing any worse than Dalton. So, like, what could Danucci possibly do worse than Dalton was doing? I mean, listen, I had been banging the drum, and I felt like I was on an island. I was like, don't. I was like, bet against the Cowboys and bet their unders. Like, we got three. People were like, ah, I'm on the, I'm on the over. I'm on, I like the Cowboys. Like, I, I don't know. Like, this, Andy Dalton's just not good, but more importantly, he's not good when he doesn't have a good O-line. So I do agree with you on that. Like, there's really not much worse you can get. And, uh, and Philadelphia has not been good. No, I mean, Philly stinks. So that's part of it. I mean, look, I've dropped the Cowboys over a touchdown, eight, eight and a half, eight and a half points since the start of the year. Obviously, they lost Dak and they've had a lot of other injuries. And some people have told me that's too little. And they might be argued that this Dallas team might be the second worst in the NFL. Uh, I don't have them that low, uh, but I could see it. This is a fade on – and I said in the NFC East, all these teams, just take – if you're getting four or more, take it. If you're getting seven or more, take it. They're all so bad. The Eagles should not be laying seven and a half. They still have issues on the offensive line. Their defense isn't playing great. The Cowboys should at least get Martin back. They might get Looney back on the offensive line. Um, Awuzie, they might get back – they should get back a corner. He's not the greatest corner in the NFL, but he will help based on what they have right now. Maybe Sean Lee comes back. But more importantly, I just think it's the ultimate buy low spot. Look, the Cowboys are 0-7 against the spread. First 0-7 against the spread teams is the 2005 Dolphins. One of the things I do like coming out of Dallas here is they, they've, they're trading people. They're cutting people. They're, they're telling people, look, you don't get a deal done by tomorrow. We're cutting you. So if there's ever a game where you're going to get max effort from guys that are playing for contracts, playing for their jobs, and playing for first place in a division – which is I keep forgetting that like the Cowboys could like take over first place in the division if they win this game, which is the most outrageous thing to think about. So you, you'll get it here. And, you know, Ben DiNucci, maybe he brings a couple things that the Eagles aren't ready for, that they would have been for Dalton. Um, I don't think it can get much worse. I think this line is should have been maybe with DiNucci under seven for sure, maybe five-ish. So I'll take eight at Ben and Jalen. I'll take anything over seven. Smaller play, don't go crazy here. The Cowboys still stink, but they're getting some pieces back. I like that Jones is – Jerry Jones is finally being like, look, we're going to trade him. We're going to change the personnel. So, uh, I just don't, I just don't think this Eagles team should be laying over seven to anyone not named the Jets at home. Yeah, no, that's the right play. Like, just like the Jets were the right play, and, and they came through last week for you. And, uh, you know, it's, it's it holds your nose play to the extreme, but – you're exactly right. The Eagles have not been good. They shouldn't have beat the Giants, but the Giants are who they are. So, of course, the Eagles get the win, and this division is still alive with, with uh, pretty much everyone but the Giants uh, still in contention. So uh, this is going to be a game that, that the Cowboys are going to show up for. And I'm still expecting, like, a Zeke bounce-back game at some point. Like, it's, it's harder now with no quarterback and with the uh, – you know, not really an O-line, but uh, I'll probably be on the overs on his props. I don't like to bet a lot of overs, but uh, I'm pretty sure it's going to be around like 60 and a half, like 64 rushing yards or something like that, which, I mean, they could give him like 30 carries just to get him there. So, uh, though Philly does have a good uh, D-line, but still, uh, this I expect the Zeke bounce back. So, yeah, it's absolutely the right play. Absolutely. All right. So, to recap, the Week 8 Sunday six-pack, Baltimore, minus four, the Minnesota Vikings plus seven and the Dallas Cowboys plus eight looking for their first cover on Sunday night football. 
Uh, I went with the Raiders plus three in Cleveland, the Saints minus four at Chicago, and finished it off with the Chargers minus three in Denver. That wraps it up for our Sunday six-pack, and I want to give you guys a special reminder, and that's that the Sunday six-pack account is now live in the Action Network app, which means if you missed any of the six-pack or uh, just want a refresher on the bets, you can go and search for the six, Sunday six-pack in the Action Network app, uh, and you'll see all six of the picks each and every week uh, that we make on the podcast. So uh, my producer, Matt Mitchell, made me uh, remember to shout that out because I wanted to shout it out last week, and I totally forgot that's on me. But yeah, go follow the Sunday six-pack cool the action network app is awesome if you haven't downloaded yet go check it out let's get in to our favorite over under play of the week all right stuck so yeah it's totals have been i feel like a little more of a struggle this year uh let's try to get one together this week where are you going yeah i've already mentioned to i mentioned the minnesota green bay under wind Nora, but i'm going officially with the saints and bears under no receivers, two good run defenses, all these receivers out. I don't know how the Bears are going to score. They can't run it. Kamara and Cook probably find a way to put points on the board for the Saints. I don't see this game getting to uh, 43 and a half. So Saints-Bears under 43 and a half at BetMGM. Uh, I like it. I will go with Steelers-Ravens under 45 and a half. And uh, I like it for a lot of the reasons you like the Ravens. I think coming off a bye, their defense will be uh, a whole different beast. Uh, and it was already pretty good. And then you have the Steelers who have been overachieving like crazy on offense. I think the, the Ravens will be able to get this one to the total by holding the Steelers down. So 45 and a half is the number at BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. So to recap, we have Bears Saints under 43 and a half and Steelers Ravens under 45 and a half. Now let's get into our favorite teaser plays of the week. Oh yeah, six point teasers. All right, for those not familiar, a teaser is when you combine two or more bets and generally we do a six point teaser on this podcast and those are the most popular. So for example, if you're teasing an eight point favorite uh, by six, they become just a two point favorite. So only half the cover minus two. Uh, and then if you're teasing an eight-point underdog, for example, they would become a 14-point underdog, and you would only need them to uh, cover 14. Where are you going uh, with your pick for this week? Yeah, ideally, if you can cross the three and the seven, you're doing it right. So I'm going to – I did that earlier with uh, the Falcons and the 49ers. I think you're going to touch on that game, but I'll say it again. The Seahawks can't win by more than one possession. Uh, although I am a little worried about how I get to that game. I'm just, I'll say mine. I'm going to go with the Lions plus eight and a half, teasing them up for two and a half. But, you know, Colts coming off a bye, Lions playing a little better now, getting healthier. It's a team some expected earlier in the year. It should go right down the wire. And it's teasing against Rivers. Um, that's, you either tease Rivers as a dog or you tease against him if he's a favorite. So I'm um, going with the Lions. This game should be a one-possession game. Should should be close. Should be a pretty good game. Um, I'm teasing the Lions to plus eight and a half. I'm going to tease them with the Raiders plus eight and a half, which I mentioned earlier, teasing the teaser piece. So both to eight and a half, and I'm getting over that eight. You know, these teams that are going for two when they score 14, all that jazz, I'm covered there. So uh, give me 
the Raiders and the Lions both at plus eight and a half. Yeah, I like the the Raiders uh, to win outright, so I like the tees and uh, and yeah, always always like a uh, Rivers fade. Uh, although I didn't expect uh, that line. Uh, actually, I did expect that line to be where it is uh, with the Colts coming off the bye, so um, didn't get to, to hop on that. But yeah, I like it uh, for my teaser. I am going with the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, this is as you pretty much point out every week a very obvious t- uh, spot because. The Seahawks, in fact, do not win games by more than one possession. Uh, they did it against the, the Falcons this year, uh, 38-25. But then you had 35-30, 38-31, 31-23, 27-26 were their other victories this year. And it reads much of the same if you go back and look at their numbers last year. So uh, getting the 49ers plus 8.5, you cover all of those spots. Uh, love it. And for the other pick, uh, I'll just go back to the Raiders. Now they are at plus three, so uh, not quite as, uh, I guess, you feel like excited about getting them as if they're at two and a half. But uh, again, just like the Raiders in this spot. Um, So uh, I'll go with them with my tease piece. If the Titans were, if the Titans get to six and a half, uh, I would tease them down. I like them as well. Although I got them at five and a half and I'm always worried about, you know, more than six, even in a spot I think they should uh, smash in just because they can't kick. So uh, would take the tight, would tease the Titans down to a half point if they, uh, if they get to six and a half. But as for the show going with the Niners, always got to love it. And the Raiders. Yeah. And if you're teasing from three, if you're, if you're not going to tease through three and seven, the next best thing is teasing from seven or from three up. Um, and look, if you think that your line is more efficient than three, then teasing from three up to nine, you know, and you make the line lower than three, is basically the same thing as teasing through three. And when you're teasing from three to, to nine or from two and a half up to eight and a half, the nine is a, is a loss in the tease, so it doesn't make much of a difference there. So if you do really like the Raiders catching three already, then basically what you're doing – is uh, you're teasing through both is assuming that your line is more efficient. So I don't hate that at all. I, and by the way, I do, I do just want to see, will the 49ers – I mean, the, the Seahawks' defense is just terrible. They did add Dunlap. Maybe Jamal Adams, he practice, comes back and helps. But even with him, it was bad. The 49ers' safeties, both of them are questionable. They've been eh, a little iffy against deep passes this year because of that, and there's no Sherman. So that's a little scary against the Seahawks. But again, the 49ers should be able to answer. Um, and that's basically what it comes down to. Put the Seahawks on primetime every week. All their games are throwers. All right. Let us get into our Moneyline Underdog Parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. Hey, Thug, we hit one. We hit one last week. We came through with the, what was it, the Lions getting that win at the end and then the 49ers. So, uh, hopefully people beautiful took advantage of that one uh the i mean the falcons just oh i can't believe that they like they they got a new coach and they're still giving away games and, and they're giving away games in the most inexplicable fashion so uh, that was a great call uh with the detroit lions there where are you going with your dog for this week uh i'll take the Miami dolphins plus 150 at mgm for what it's worth you know, the Rams are on a short week traveling across the country, although 
Maybe McVeigh has this traveling thing figured out. He's eight and two against the spread on the East Coast, six and one against the spread in the early time slot, covered by over twelve points per game. And as I said last week, short west, short rest versus a team coming off of a bye week. So short rest off of a Monday night, playing a team coming off of a bye. Are they all 34-15-1 against the spread? I, I don't know. It makes no sense. Maybe the market is just overvaluing the spot. Um, but basically, I would normally make this after adjusting for the spot, right? So I'll adjust for the short week. I'll, you know, I'll downgrade the Rams a bit for that. I'll upgrade the Dolphins a bit for the bye. And maybe just a hair for traveling across country on top of that. I would make this line around Rams minus two. Now the question becomes, all right, Tua is now going to start a quarterback for Ryan Fitzpatrick. You have to assume, from a point spread perspective, a downgrade. Fitzpatrick was playing well, but mainly it's just a rookie's first start in the middle of the year. Um, if you want to be really optimistic, you can say he's going to be even better. But the prudent thing to do is be like, all right, there's probably going to be a drop-off, maybe at least initially. You could think that long-term, as I do, that it's going to be better quarterback play, but they're safe to assume there might be some struggles early and you just don't know what to expect. So I would make this line probably around four or five just to be safe. That's where the, the market's around three and a half. I could argue for many numbers. It's basically how, how much is two worth. We don't know. And Fitzpatrick's already a high variance guy, hard to project. So I think that why, you know, and the Rams, they've beat the NFC East and the Bears. So, yeah. And when I look at the, the Dolphins' defense, you can run all over them. They might be the worst run defense in the NFL, which is scary against the Rams. They're kind of average against short passes and play action. They have two really good outside corners, but, but the Rams don't really throw deep. It's scary thinking about Cup in the slot. You had Igbignogane. Igbe, oh, God, not this again. Igbignogane. He got benched, and now you got Nick Needham in there, and they've been so bad against the slot. And Cup, he lines up about half his snaps in the slot. But the Bills, who also can't cover slot receivers, in that game he lined up in the slot like 70% of the time. And he went off. He had 120 yards and a touchdown. So that does scare me as well. But why I don't want to take the plus four, and I'd rather take the money line, is just the upside of Tua, right? So instead of taking the plus four, you're saying, all right, there could, there's a chance with all the variants of who Fitzpatrick usually is and then what are we going to get with Tua? He has had a buy. I think he does fit well in Chan Gailey's system. Uh, we'll see if Devontae Parker goes. But if you're going to buy the upside and the high variance of this spot, I think this is why I'm taking Miami as the money on underdog, just for the upside of Tua and what that upside could potentially be. I love it. I think that that's absolutely the right call. And it just goes into exactly what I said. Buy these guys now. Uh, you, you'll get them cheap. So even if you have some whiffs early on, you know, maybe he doesn't cover this game or they don't win this game. Uh, I, you still buying this guy as you mentioned, coming off a bye, extremely talented quarterback. And you didn't even mention Brian Flores, who's done a hell of a job in Miami, uh, you know, making this team competitive even last year down the stretch to where they couldn't actually, you know, pull off tanking for Joe Burrow. And then you look at who they played this year, New England, Buffalo, Seattle, San Francisco, not, not a super easy slate. They have a couple easy games mixed in against the Jags and Jets. Uh, but they dominated in those games. They did exactly what they needed, what, what a good team would do in those games. They beat the Jets 24-zip, and they beat the Jags 31-13. So, yeah, I think this Dolphins team is a, probably a lot better than I think the casual observer may think. And you got them at home. You got cross-country. You got a Rams team that's 
they're not the Bears, but they're a little limited and kind of under the under the radar a little bit limited. Um, the, the difference with the Rams is they could still move it on first, you know, on early downs. They just kind of bogged down. It, so, uh, but yeah, I, I like the call uh, for my pick. Uh, this is a tough one because I wanted to just go with the Raiders again, but I, I wanted to s- kind of switch it up and, uh, and and go with another team that I think has a pretty good shot at winning this week, and that's the New England Patriots. Uh, look, you know, now everyone's all down on the Patriots, and oh, my God, they have no offense, and no one can separate, and Cam might not be good, and oh, my God. And, and like I said this coming into the year, like this might be – there might be some some growing pains from Cam Newton. This might not be great. But – Look, Buffalo, you just you got Cam Newton going against Cam Newton in this game. And either Cam Newton could win. And I'm getting the undervalued Cam Newton with the better coach. And listen, the Patriots defense has not played well. I think they'll play a little bit better. We're starting to see Josh Allen come down to earth. The last, what, three games have been an absolute struggle after he started the year hot. Now, John Brown is practicing. Looks like he'll be back. That'll help, but he's had Brown for a couple of, at least I think it was one of those games. So, uh, like, we still have this Buffalo team that uh, they're going to go as Josh Allen goes. They're going to make some plays on the ground. Uh, Stephon Diggs has been held under 50 yards the last couple of games. Gilmore has rebounded after his, his slow start. Uh, so just give me the Patriots when everyone's down on them and no one can expect them to win in a division game against a team that uh, they've seen before, whereas the, the Bills haven't actually seen them with this offense yet. Uh, just every edge for Belichick, in my opinion, in this spot. Yeah, I mean, I just think the Patriots stink. Look, <laughs> they're not good. I, I, their offense—they have a lot of moving parts in the offensive line. The strengths of this team are the offense, interior offensive line, and then the secondary. But people are like, "Oh, Bill Belichick—he rebuilt this whole defense." Is first of all, the offense is terrible. I mean, where are the tight ends? Where is the separation on the outside? And Cam Newton—is he hurt? I don't know. The last two games, he's thrown to the right three times, to the right side of the field three times. He's throwing to the left every single time. I don't know what's going on. It might be his shoulder. Go look at his throw chart. Last week, he threw it to the right zero times. Zero times the entire game. And then he got benched. So, I don't know what's going on. The Patriots were asked about it at the press conference. They said it's random. I, so I don't know how you throw to the left side of the field every single play for two weeks. You hope Milano's back and Levi Wallace is back for the Bills. The good news for the Patriots, by the way, is, is on the right side, the defensive left side is where Trey White plays. I don't know if the Bills are going to put – Trey Wood on the right side. We'll see. I said the Bills don't have a slot corner. Maybe Edelman eats, but Edelman looks washed. I mean, we lead the NFL he's got a, he's drop got a rate. Knee, he yeah. just, got a knee issue. They 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 said yeah, they came back and flat out said that they were limiting him. He's 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 washed. I mean, or he's, yeah, he's so banged like, up. I should say. And Nikhil Harry's banged up. So I, I that's a good thing. Look, um, that's a good thing. I like the Bills. McDermott benched all his defensive linemen, and last week they finally played really well. But it was the Jets, so I don't know did it fire them up or not. You can't take too much away from that. On the other side of the ball, here's something I want to get to. The Patriots' defense has been really bad. Like, their offense is, like, 25th rated, if you, like, look at some of the underlying metrics, and so is, like, their defense. They rebuilt the whole front seven. So you think that's going to be bad. They did the same thing, but people are like, ah, oh, it's Bill Belichick. He'll, he'll, he'll make them better with his brain, his big brain. But you go back to 2010-2011 Patriots team. 2010, they went 14-2. 2011, they went 13-3. and These were some of the worst defenses in the NFL of the past 20 years of playoff teams. 2011, they went to the Super Bowl, lost to the Giants. They finished 30th in DVOA and defense. It's not like Bill Belichick just – and that was when they rebuilt their defense. It's not like – they just had elite offenses, elite. They finished number one in DVOA that year. Um, their offenses carried them. Well, now their defense is not as good, bottom 10 in the league, and their offense is also bottom 10 in the league, so it can't make up for that. And I want to also point out, you know, they lost Chung. 
They lost Harmon. But Stephon Gilmore, he might be headed to the dreaded cliff. How old is Stephon Gilmore, everybody? He's a man corner that they like to uh, play man. And I've said this many times on this podcast. You go and you just chart the production of pure man corners. It's once they hit 30, you go off of a cliff. I mean, Stephon Gilmore right now is, drum roll please, 30 years old. Just turned 30 uh, on September 19th. So, you know, we talk about guys like Xavier Rhodes last year trying to play man, 30 years old, done. Darius Slay, done. Josh Norman turned 30, done. I mean, like the list goes on and on and on. You look at, you chart all pro cornerbacks, pro bowl cornerbacks. It's basically like 23, age 23, you peak. You start to run into your peak and then you go to like 27, 23 to 27 is your ideal age. Patrick Peterson, by the way, 32, and he's play doesn't look great. You know, that's Marlon Humphrey, 24 years old. Jalen Ramsey, 26. Like those are your two of your best corners in the NFL that will persist over the next couple of years. So I think that Gilmore, who hasn't been great, and part of the reason why the Pats, I mean, look at that Seahawks game. Part of the reason why the Pats past defense also hasn't been great is maybe guys like Gilmore and McCourty are falling off that cliff. Uh, so I think there's a lot of problems with this Patriots team. The offense is supposed to make up for it because the defense was rebuilding. It hasn't. The, the offense is a mess. I think the Bills win this game, but I just took the under. I don't know how the Patriots score. Uh, I'm sure the Patriots will dial up something. There's 25-mile-an-hour wins in Orchard Park for this division game. This game, this game could be like 17-13 final. Well, Gilmore, so Gilmore has actually, and Matthew Friedman, our guy, pointed this out. In, the, in his wide receiver cornerback piece, which is up at actionnetwork.com. But they play Seattle in week two. You know that's not going to go very well. Gilmore gets torched. Uh, since then, four games, 12 targets, 61 yards, five yards a target. It's, I mean, it's business as usual. The defense as a whole, I, I grant you that. It's not the same defense. But listen, you're going to give up some numbers when you play Seattle. Everybody does. Uh, but the real the reason I like the Patriots here is because you have a situation where the Bills have played, and we saw this creep up, I think, last year and maybe even the year before, too, but just consistently with Sean McDermott defenses back to his Carolina days, they just they go through these long stretches where they just don't play run defense during the regular season, and uh, they're 28th in DVOA right now. The Patriots don't have to do much on offense, and Josh Allen is one of the – progressing back to the mean, still, I think, one of the more uh, mistake-prone guys – uh, especially with this Patriots team, and it's a division game, and the Bills haven't seen him. I just think this is the time to buy well on the Pats. And I picked against the Pats uh, with the 49ers traveling across country on, uh, you know, on a short week last week. So I'm, I'm going with the Pats this time because, hey, this is when no one thinks they're going to do it. It's probably exactly when they do it. That doesn't mean they don't still stink, but I think they beat the Bills. It's a buy-low spot. I don't, I don't hate the logic. I'm just arguing against yeah. that the Patriots might have bigger problems than I'm even accounting for and that we might continue to see. Oh, yeah. I mean, I kind of hope they do because that's kind of what I called out at the early, uh, beginning of the year. But uh, So, yeah, I'm going with the Pats. You're going with the Dolphins. And uh, we saved the coach's pep talk for this segment because I'm uh, going to go ahead here and I'll let you dedicate this one to the Miami Dolphins. It's a perfect pep talk for them. Uh, and to a tongue of Iowa in particular. So this week's Coach's Pep Talk features Chaz, Pomentary, and Christopher Walken, and it comes to us courtesy of the 2002 film Pool Hall Junkies. Fuck this back-and-forth bullshit. It's a big waste of time. You want to put it all up, huh? Come on, race for 80000 
I'm betting this big-time action brings out the dog in your boy over there. Because I'm the only one in this room who knows how fast your boy can run over there. How the fuck does that make you feel? To be in that position with all your money on the table. You put down 80000 like it didn't matter. That's a lot of money for somebody like you and him. What's the difference? I'm a millionaire. That's the difference. I lose 80, I get another 80. For me, it doesn't matter. See, I think it's you who's sweating this. Now, you're going to put it all on the line because you think he's going to choke? I don't think so. I think he's going to choke. Yeah, you got to throw this out to Tua. It's all about Tua this weekend. Dolphins, what, outside playoff team in the AFC? They got a shot. They're in the discussion. Tua, if he plays awful, what happens to the locker room? If he can win this game over the Rams, then it's all of a sudden full steam ahead. So what a spot for Tua. This clip fits perfectly for it. I mean, what's going to happen with the locker room? There's a whole bunch of guys just like Tua there. They're probably just going to be like, yeah, we'll get it for him next week. <laughs> I don't like, listen, everyone yeah, but does it, does it do, they, do you say, hey, do we go back to Fitzpatrick? We lost this game. Now we need to win this week, depending on how bad he looked. I don't I, know. I mean, I, I wouldn't expect it. I'm just going off the fact that they benched Fitzpatrick when he was playing pretty well. You know, that tells me that they had a plan the whole time, which means they're not actually trying to do anything unlike the Washington football team, which – uh, apparently is so now it's time for the best of the rest which are the games that we did not discuss in any other segment all right let's start it off with the titans six point favorites uh in cincinnati the total 54 and a half already discussed this game a little but uh, any other thoughts on bengals titans yeah i'm curious to see if dory jackson comes back Bengals just throwing a ton. I mean, Burrow's going to throw the ball 50 times, and their defense is not great. I don't know how they're going to slow down Henry and that play-action attack. The one thing with the Titans, the worst through six games, the worst third-down defense mm-hmm. in the history of the NFL. So their defense is not playing well. They're not getting pressure. They're missing Dory Jackson. Their secondary is not playing well. Uh, you wrote a piece up on the Titans. Yeah. Uh, this is probably a pass for me. I would lean over, but what are your, what are your thoughts on Tennessee? Fraud or not? So they're a little bit of both. Like they are, they've unquestionably benefited from luck. Uh, they, they've just in, they're, they're like another Seahawks in the one. Well, not the Seahawks actually, because the Seahawks don't actually get a lot of one score. Hadn't got a lot of one score luck till very recently. But now the Titans four and one once Tannehill took over in one score games last year. Four and one this year. That Steelers game was their first loss, uh, and they've done all of this while kicking sixteen of thirty four on field goals. Since the beginning of last year. So they're winning one score games without a field goal kicker because they're hitting in the red zone at 78%. It's, this is just historic. And yeah, is that going to regress? Yes. Is it lucky? Not exactly because I went back and I watched all of their touchdowns and Arthur Smith, he doesn't really get talked about. I mean, now he's got starting to get some buzz for, I think the Texans coaching job, but generally doesn't really get talked about, uh, you know, in conversations about, offensive coordinators but he just does an amazing job when they get into the into scoring position just scheming guys open like they have three offensive line men touchdowns caught since the beginning of last year Derrick Henry has thrown a touchdown uh like every time Tannehill drops back he's half the time he's just jogging free to the end zone uh or he has a receiver in single coverage like a uh, great job scheming by Arthur Smith and yeah red zone rate tends to regress to the mean but a little bit of skill involved we saw a team like the Patriots for a decade top eight every year year in year out 
Uh, the Titans could be well on their way to something like that. And they also just have skilled, you know, they have a, a, the right group of guys who you want to score in the red zone, particularly just Derrick Henry and uh, AJ Brown. So they have, they're, they're very good on offense. Agree. Abysmal defense. It should get better. They were, they were number three in points allowed in 2018, number 12 in 2019. Vrabel's a defensive guy. You'd expect them to get better. Uh, but I, I'm just worried about Cincinnati's O-line in this game. Uh, I think Jonah Williams uh, may miss her. He, he's on the injury report. And uh, Bobby Hart. Bobby Hart is out. And those are the two best linemen. Uh, so Burrow's already, you know, not really getting any help. And this defense is not exactly, you know, one that it's going to be like, okay, we're going to get a ton of pressure. But the Titans can score. And the more you drop back, the more mistakes are going to happen for Burrow. So uh, I think it's a good spot for Tennessee. But I, 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 it's one of these spots where the six worries me a lot more than a five and a half. Because even if they win by a touchdown, which I think they should, uh, they may miss the extra point. So I can't really recommend it past five and a half at this point. All right. Next up, we have the New York Jets. Surprised you didn't take the Jets back-to-back weeks, but that's probably not a smart play. You got, you got what you needed out of them last week. But uh, plus 19.5 at BetMGM, the official odds provider of the pod. In Arrowhead, total 48.5. You got to take the Jets, right? No, unfortunately can't. But by <laughs> although, though, teams favor more than 17 since 2003 are 3-9 and nine against the spread. But uh, luckily, when I went, I adjusted my numbers for last week. And by the way, I've had the Jets last week, and I'm 1-0 against the spread against with betting the Jets. Hopefully, I end the year that way. I went back, looked at the game, graded it, and I was lucky. The Bills should have won by a lot more. I mean, they, had, they settled for like 40 field goals. So I was fortunate, but the Jets got there for me. And this week, after adjusting, I made this between 19 and 19 and a half. So when I saw the line at 19 or 19 and a half, I said, yes, I don't have to bet it. Uh, if it, I saw 21 way before I, you know, some, somewhere out there. If it was 21, maybe – if 21 and a half, 21, maybe I'd bet the Jets. If it was 17, 16 and a half, I'd bet the Chiefs. But this line looks right to me. The interesting thing to me is, are, is Greg Williams going to blitz? Is, I mean, is, sec, is he going to blitz a lot? He blitz Mahomes. It's just a disaster. Is, but Mahomes is due for, like, an explosion game here. And even if the Chiefs get up, are they just going to let Lev Bell, like, showboat? and run it up. I don't know. Uh, the Jets are terrible. Maybe they get Crowder back. And now with Mims, Perryman's questionable. I, this is just a line spot on. Um, but if the Jets blitz a lot, Mahomes could have like an explosion game. And then they could just let – they just want to get like Lev Bell to dance in the end zone a couple times at the end and then run it up some more. So nothing for me there. Yeah, I actually think the Chiefs will throw it around in this game against the Jets. I mean, you saw the Bills, and I had the – the under for Der- Devin Singletary, that was actually the prop I went with on Convince Me, uh, the Action Network live show on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. And the Bills pretty much came out and, and didn't run the ball on their first, like, two possessions. Or if they ran, it was with Josh Allen. Like, Singletary didn't have a carry well into the second quarter. And I think teams do respect the Jets' run defense, which has been pretty good for going on, you know, what, two, three years now? Even with some pieces, you know, shifting in and out. They're number uh, four in adjusted line yards allowed, just 3.5 on defense. They gave that one big play to Raheem Mostert. But other than that, it's been pretty good on Rundy. So I would expect the Chiefs being as smart as they are uh, and as sharp as they are. And, and Mahomes has kind of been quiet. I would expect them to just throw it around the yard. Yep, don't disagree. All right. So now it's time for our survivor pool pick of the week. One pick. One chance to advance. 
Survivor. All right. Well, we both, uh, well, no, you can use the Chiefs this week. I think I used them and got eliminated, and, and you use a different team, and we both got eliminated. But where are you going this week for your Survivor pick? Yeah, I mean, my plan, I think I was going to try and save the Chiefs or the Panthers coming up here and just try to get as far as I can without using the Chiefs and the Ravens. So for this week, since I'm already out of all of my thanks to San Fran and Dolphins, uh, for this week I'll say I'll go with the Bucks against the Giants here. Save the Chiefs and Ravens. Yeah, the Bucks are a little bit banged up on offense, but this defense is just so good and – Daniel Jones in this offense for the Giants, it's, it's, it reminds me a lot of Chicago. It's, you know, the defense is actually getting a little bit better, just cannot score points and, and give them away the other way. So uh, really hard time seeing how the uh, Giants pull this, one, pull this one off, even though they are at home. By the way, Daniel Jones at home uh, is 1-8 against the spread. Uh, the market – for some reason gives the Giants like home field advantage and it just has there just hasn't been one with Jones it, it's just getting offset by the lack of offense and the turnover so yeah this is uh this is a spot where I expect the Bucks to uh to win pretty handily so we're both going with the Bucks here hope we survive hope you guys enjoy the podcast again remember you can follow Sunday Six Pack in the Action Network app to see all of the picks download the app it's awesome follow Stucky at Stucky too. Follow me at Chris Raybon in the Action Network app. You can see all of our other bets uh, as well as track your own. And you can also find Stucky on Twitter at Stucky too, and me on Twitter at Chris Raybon. You can find all of our betting content, including primetime previews, which Stuck and I handle each week, the Sunday and Monday night island games we write up and our picks and our, and our previews. So you can find those at actionnetwork.com or read them in the app as well. Hope you guys have good luck this weekend. Let's get this money and go to it. Go Ravens. We're finished talking. <laughs>